Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck Nicks? Uh, this is Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. If you're new, hang out. I am not broadcasting from home. I am still in New York. I'm still in a hotel room in New York City. I've been here for a few days. It's been a great trip. I could tell you about it. Do you want me to tell you about it? I can tell you about it. But first, let me just set up the show a little bit. Today, I talked to uh, Ralph Macchio. Yeah, that guy. Of course, you know who he is. He was Daniel LaRusso in The Karate Kid and now in Cobra Kai. And in fact, so many people know him as Daniel LaRusso. He wrote a book about it. It's called Waxing On, The Karate Kid and Me. And I figured, look, I had an opportunity to talk to Ralph. I'll talk to Ralph. He's one of those guys that you kind of felt like you grew up with at a certain point in your life, depending on what age you were. I'm a little older, but my brother was certainly in that world. But, you know, he's Ralph Macchio, and I'm a, I'm a fan of Cobra Kai. And uh, we had a nice conversation. Also, I'll be in London this week, so if you don't have tickets to my sold-out stand-up shows and still want to come see me, I'll be doing a live WTF at the Bloomsbury Theater on Wednesday, October 19th, with writer and comedian David Badil. It's been a long time since I've done uh, live WTF. We used to do them. I don't know how many of you know this. We originally did live WTFs that were not like the show. They were multiple um, performer broadcasts. Like I would, we would do it at uh, at a venue, and there'd be four or five guests that we just bring out in a row and do interviews with them and kind of riff with them. And originally, we did it. This is going back before we could figure out how to make money doing the podcast without closing it down and offering it for uh, membership. There was just limited things you could do. You could sell merch. You could you could get donations. I don't even think Patreon existed at that time. Or, you know, you could do some other sort of performing live performance. And it was still pretty early on in podcasting to where that draw was. You know, I don't know that we could make a living out of it. Uh, doing live WTS, but they were special events that we recorded as content that people would buy. Uh, we had set up a, a pay site where those were made available, and it was specifically done to try to make money at podcasting. There's there's a handful of those somewhere, but uh, they were always exciting. And I remember getting artwork made for them for the posters, and there was one that was like Ira Glass. I was so excited to have Ira Glass and Artie Lang on the same panel 
And then there was another one where we had a woman that uh, was a robot expert, and she made a little robot that uh, that she claimed did stand up comedy. So I had her, and I had uh, uh, Otto and George. There was I, there was some interesting bookings, and they were definitely fun shows. But it's been a while since I've done a live one. Um, I did a couple events as a as a interviewer that I didn't love doing that. Of course, there's the Terry Gross one, which was done live, but just by virtue of uh, it was at an event, and the Paul McCartney was done live because that was at an event. But the uh, but the the multi guest live WTFs are a rarity. But this one I'm doing in England, we you know we're just trying it out. David Bedil's an interesting guy. He's a big deal in England. He was a big comic. Uh, performer in a, in a duo, and then he did uh, one-man show stuff, then he wrote some novels, some children's books, and now he's written, he's written a book about uh, being a Jew, and he sort of speaks out about anti-Semitism and, and, and how, it, uh, how it's uh, framed in the current world we're in. Uh, but he's an interesting guy, and, and I didn't know anything about him, and now I know a lot about him, and I'm going to talk to him about it. So that's going to happen in... Uh, in London on October 19th, and, and then you'll eventually hear it uh, here. So, fuck you guys. I've been in this hotel room. I don't know what it is when I get hotel rooms. It, oh, I would say six out of ten hotel rooms that I stay in, it sounds like the person upstairs is involved in some sort of long game of marbles. I, I don't know if they're different size marbles. Sometimes it sounds like there's small glass or metal balls, and then sometimes slightly larger ones that are rolling around up there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's uh, someone's following me, and this is designed to make me crazy. Just like, he's, he, why would anybody be playing with marbles? I don't know, but I don't know what's going on up there. It sounds like marbles. It stopped now, which is good. I, I never know what the hell's going on in rooms I, I, because you assume like, is there really a reason to move furniture? Look, sex noises next door is one thing. Uh, I don't hear much of that anymore. I stay in pretty good hotels, but upstairs you're like, why, why would they be rearranging the entire room? Why, the, uh, why are they playing tennis in their room? What the fuck is that noise? Should I call somebody? A bit of that happens. But I've been here since, uh, what, Tuesday night, what has happened since I talked to you? I feel like I recorded, when did I record? Probably Wednesday, but I did, so yeah, so you don't know anything that's happened. I came out here to play this gig um, for a, a kind of benefit gathering party at a loft. We did the gig, it's called the Soho Sessions. It takes place in this loft and, and it raises awareness for certain charities. And it was me, Jimmy Vivino, Jimmy Vaughn, who's a fucking hero of mine from the fabulous Thunderbirds. So I got here in, in, and on, on that Wednesday, on the Wednesday, I rehearsed. I rehearsed with Jimmy Vivino, with the band, with Jimmy Vaughn came in. Again, a hero of mine could not believe I was playing with Jimmy Vaughn. I did two songs with Jimmy Vaughn and, and the rest of the guys. But so we rehearsed on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, Dave Mannheim from Dopey, the podcast, He's over at Katz's. They set me up with a plate of meat. So I'm jamming meat into my face Wednesday. Big mounds of uh, brisket, pastrami, corned beef, rye bread, pickles. So that happens. And then uh, I went to the Whitney Museum. I, I'm a member. I'm, I'm a, I, I like to be a contributor, uh, I guess a patron of the arts. And I'm just happy that it, when I'm in town, I can just go over there. But it, it doesn't always sync, sync up with a major event. But they had a members only preview of this show, this Edward Hopper show, Edward Hopper in New York, I think is the show at the Whitney uh, or Edward Hopper's New York. 
So I just made my way over there, and that was fucking spectacular. I mean, just, you know, just unbelievable. And then on, on Thursday night, we did the show. It was great. There were some people I hadn't seen in a while there. Michael Imperioli was hanging out the loft. His son played guitar. It was very sweet. Good guitar player. And I saw some old friends. And we did the we did a show. And I only fucked up a little bit. I just fucked up the Dylan song a little bit. And it's it's kind of sticking with me. I've really got to stop beating the shit out of myself. Any ideas? But that was a, it was amazing. Playing with Jimmy Vaughn. And then after that, then the next day, what happened? Well, we did. I did the tech run through or the beginning of the process of uh, putting my HBO special together uh, at Town Hall, kind of looking at logistics, looking at set design, meeting the crew, meeting uh, the producers, getting everybody in one room uh, so they could you know, break into groups and do their thing. And then I went and met Brendan, who I never see because I'm in L.A. and he's here. And uh, we did this sort of day hang. We went, uh, went down, ate a Veselka. Got to be honest. As nice as it is that uh, you know Veselka is kicking back some bread to uh, to the Ukrainian uh, war effort, the food has gone downhill tremendously. It was just a bland plate of mush in different shapes. Some of it didn't taste good at all, and it's very sad. It's a very sad thing, uh, you know, when um, when a place that you know you've sort of you kind of hold dear and and it, it kind of. Uh, trigger certain memories if it's consistent you know it's sad when that moment diminishes that when all of a sudden the food's not as good as it it used to be or that place is not there anymore or the the store is now some other store or what they do to the building you used to live in where somehow or another these reliable time travel vessels uh become compromised and it was a bit of heartbreak maybe it was a bad day i don't know i ate a couple other places uh that were okay but brendan and i we hung out for a few hours, went down to Ferrara's, uh, the Italian pastry place that I used to go with my grandmother when we came into the city. Had ricotta cheesecake. I'm just, you know, stuffing myself. I'm, I seem to be on some sort of suicide trip with food, but, well, you know, we'll see. You know, who isn't? I don't know. I can't seem to reel it in right now. <laughs> but, yeah, so then I also went to Mogador, uh, which is another place. That place held up pretty good. That food was pretty good. And on Saturday, I spent the day with Sam Lipsight. We did a little talk on the mics, and then we headed out to the Tompkins Square Park, talked some more there, talked about uh, stuff, personal stuff. Then we went and had uh, dinner at the uh, Greek place, Kiklides. That was the best. And then we went and saw Ron Carter Trio, the Ron Carter Trio at Birdland. Spectacular, because I was going to talk to him. Also, sorry, went to Russ and Daughters. Yeah. Got that covered too. The cafe had uh, bagels and locks. So now I'm just, uh, you know, wondering, you know, when my heart's going to stop and uh, getting ready to go to uh, to London today. That's how that's going. I got to be honest with you. I've been here, what? So what is it? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So five, six days and it's fall and um, I fucking love it. I think I'm moving back to New York. That's this. This is the new vision for the future. Half time in Canada, half time New York City, uh, and doing nothing but doing things that I enjoy. Would that be okay? I did zero comedy while I was here, and you know what? It was fucking tremendous. It's so weird about the the general comedy scene for me in New York City. Like the Comedy Cellar. You know, when I really think about it. It was just always kind of like, I've got to know how to do this. 
I have to know how to do this room. I have to, I have to perform well in this hard ass room. It was all about knowing how to do it or, or learning how to do it and just getting through it. The best thing about the comedy seller was seeing your friends. And I don't know, man, I just, I didn't, I just didn't feel like dealing I didn't feel like going to a New York City comedy club and just like, you know, hammering it out. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, you know, I started here or I spent a lot of time here just pounding my head against the wall and doing okay. I just wanted to see some friends, but I didn't. I don't even know how many of my friends are around. Maybe I'll go in tonight. We'll see. Just to say hi. But I just, I just didn't do any comedy. I did all the other stuff. But the point being, I want to live here. It just, you feel so alive. It's so great to be surrounded by all these people. There's no place like New York where everybody, everything is a collaborative effort. It just being out on the street is a giant collaborative effort. The entire city is a collaborative effort. You're walking around with hundreds and hundreds of other people at every corner. Just uh, everyone is making sure for the most part that things run the correct way. It is just a, a Petri dish of humanity. I was working I was walking through Times Square last night and it's all lit up. It's it, it's it, it's like it's almost like what I imagine Tokyo to be, like a blade runner except it's it's a little too American. But it's it's a spectacle, but you just see all these different types of people, tourists, hawkers, people on the street, some houseless people, but also like you know, I you're in the middle of Times Square. It's 2022 and I swear to god I saw maybe a Pakistani or an Indian family moving through Uh, Times Square with their luggage as if they just arrived or they're just leaving. I don't know. I could project a lot of things. I'm saying that everything is happening all the time with thousands of people in New York City. And it's uh, it's spectacular. It, it, It is energizing. And there's something that kind of makes you feel part of something uh, bigger than yourself, certainly that being the city and that being the human race and that being the type of diversity that you see here. It's just it's just great. And there's so much vital creativity going on here i mean just going to the whitney going to the birdland club going to you know Tompkins square park just walking i just and i think i feel like i go through this every time i'm here but i'm now at a point where i can sort of see a finish line i can i can sort of see an end game not my death but my pulling back uh you know from from everything i'm doing just to to try to enjoy life that doesn't involve compulsive engagement in stuff I think I have to do because I've set out to do it. I feel like I've done almost everything I set out to do. Some of it I enjoy. Some of it I'm tired of. Some of it, uh, you know, I can take further. But no matter what, I definitely want to pull back in a few years. And the idea of having a place in New York to just take advantage of the city and then having a place somewhere else to, uh, to just kind of live life in a, in a relatively peaceful undistracted voice seems appealing to me that being said i could drop dead from a heart attack or lose my mind at any minute so look the book that uh ralph macchio is here to talk about or he's here to talk about his life but he has this memoir waxing on the karate kid and me that comes out tomorrow october 18th you can get it wherever you get books the new season of cobra kai is now streaming on netflix and uh this is me talking to uh Ralph Macchio, who we all know.
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so wait. Now, tell me, because when we walked in here, you saw my Fender Telecaster over yeah. there. You have the you have the the uh, Crossroads. Yeah, Telecaster. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Is it even a? Is it an old one? Even? I think it is. I don't. I don't know if we ever got the year on it. You've I, had that thing sitting there forever, and people have offered you money, and you never did the research. Well, no, no. I, I have done some research. I thought it was late sixties. I think it's early seventies, uh, if memory serves. I need to have that right time so, machine back to that conversation. But yeah, because we, um, you know, we were looking at it when we were, we were doing doing the film on, initially and trying to find out well, yeah. should we go Gibson? What kind of guitar? And uh, you know, I was a big Springsteen fan growing up, still am, and so it was always Telecaster. So that I went Tele, and plus I'm, you know, Gibson's a big guitar for a little heavy. scrawny guy like me. The Les you know? Pauls, like the Black Customs, they're right. heavy, and, yeah. and like what he had three thirty five, that would have been huge. Yeah. yeah, but I like the Springsteen connection. Yeah, he's a big Telly guy. A big Telly guy. All Tellys. Big te- all Tellys all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's interesting to me that that there is this huge collector's market. It's not actually ruining the. The market for people that just are interested in finding a, a cool guitar right, out there. Right. They, everyone knows what they have now with the internet. And there's no finding that. But really, I don't think that the period of time that that telly is from is necessarily a, a, an important period in Fender history. Yeah. But because it's the crossroads of guitar, right. you would do a certificate and take a picture. Right. And then someone, you know, when they sold it for $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's it, listen. I've I've signed many uh, guitar picks. They bring them in, you know, yeah. uh, collectors and stuff like that to right, sign that light, right. Lightning Boy Martone or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun, man. It's fun, but yeah, arguably, you know, the forty-seven Ford, the wax yeah. on, wax off car that I got to keep after doing the original Karate Jesus, Kid. Jesus, most people just take it, the the wardrobe. Yeah, like, I, I took the headband yeah. and the car uh, <laughs> and a new. Hey, can I keep? this suit that's, uh, that's what right. i get yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, but uh, more people ask about the uh, the guitar uh, yeah yeah, well, yeah. I mean that 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 Ford. I mean that's that's an old car. What yeah, is that? From? 47, 47, forty-seven. Forty-seven. I think that people who collect cars to drive on the street. It starts in the fifties. Yeah, yeah. Those are the cool ones. Yeah, it's a rare guy that's gonna be driving around <laughs> in a forty-seven Ford. Yeah, exactly. Fifty-seven but, Chevy is. The yeah, that kind of shit or sixties and the Impalas and stuff. But yeah. I, so you still have that car? Do you drive it? Uh, it is in being used in the Cobra Kai series. Oh, that's the one sitting so there. It is the one. The, that's that's in, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that shoot though? Uh, Atlanta, and that's where. Oh, so 
you drove it down. You had to tow they, down. They had to tow down, and they helped uh, get the old girl back up and running and off the four really? flats. Yeah, it was sort of a metaphor for my big screen career. So I was sitting in storage about six, seven years ago, covered in <laughs> dust on four flats, and yeah. now it is uh, uh, happening, uh, popular, and and it's got its luster back. That's crazy. You know, it's <laughs> it, it it is quite a a ride you've had, and, and my producer you know, brought it to my attention. It's sort of like you know you've you've plugged along and you've done the work, right? And you were a huge uh, uh, a star when I was a kid. I mean, I think I was a little old. I don't know. I think we're around the same age, mm-hmm. but I think when you were popular, somehow it was more my brother, who's like right. two and a half years younger than me, right, right. that was like in the same zone. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing The Outsiders. Yeah. But you always kind of worked. Yep. You know, but somehow, uh, you know, I mean, ups and downs and all. You know, I talked to Zabka. Did you listen? Yeah, to yeah, that? yes, I did. I did. I did. I just spoke to him last night, and he said he had a great time. And I listened to it last year, or whenever I, that was done. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how well he mat- that he matured that character. Yeah, both of you. Well, it's you know, listen a lot. Yeah. It, the these guys who create the Cobra Kai show had such a smart angle in to sort of how to peel the layers yeah. off the villain and right. all of a sudden, you know, put the ex-hero in in his uh, trans- midlife transition. Yeah, and, and he's like, you know, they're they're both empathetic characters, but they're both they're not as uh, you know defined yep. in the way that you were when you're kids. Right. Like there's a good guy and a bad guy. There's black and white back yeah, But in the now, day, right? you know, because age has happened, you know, both guys have a little bit of both, yep. you know, in their own weird way. Yeah. And that's and that's truthful a- anyway, yeah. you know, sure. diving into, you know, there's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad in everybody. Right. And, and the intentions of both are good. So that's why you root for both, even though your allegiance may change episode to sure. episode. And but his, just, but yeah. his, he... He's his own worst enemy. Yes. And your ego is your own worst yeah, enemy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right. You know, he, he's, he's still hanging it on one kick that got him. You know, he's like the guy who won the high school football game who still talks about it. I mean, not so much in these seasons now or yeah. in, during season five. But, I can't but believe it. it. Five it's seasons. It's crazy. Yep. I mean, I just can't. I, you know, I was curious about it. And I was just so taken by the age of you guys you know it's sort of it, it is the show and it, it is those characters but i think there's an honesty to how you you're playing the age right, right that we are at yeah you have to and even when we do you know when they when they when we see in the script it's time to go you know drop the gloves again yeah it's like okay can we shoot this <laughs> can we play this as we would as guys in our 50s yeah. and not pretend to be doing the rematch like we're you know 20 years old again and how'd that go uh, pretty well pretty yeah. well although they still want us to you know and then the music the music <laughs> the underscoring yeah is is uh it helps us with the youth and, and energy and we work hard at it you know yeah it's it's fun we got these great kids in the show, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. they're awesome. Yeah, they seem and, all they all seem really good. Yeah. And it's it's a sweet show. But like when you look back at the I mean, this came did it come out of nowhere? Like when when people were when when the offer came to you, like we're gonna do this again, you win? Were you like, what were you doing? But it's, uh, in your life. Basically the three guys who write it pitched yeah. it. They pitched it to Billy first. Um, I was the last guy to in. I was probably the most resistant always really? to you know, you, uh, the Karate Kid film has become yeah. a piece of pop 
culture and, sure. and a piece of uh, many people's childhoods. And uh, as, a, as a comic, I mean, that wax on, wax off thing is used yeah. in punchlines yeah, to the this time. day. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. like the fallback. Yeah. Just in case you don't have something right. fresh and new, you go to <laughs> yeah. that. It's a home run. Yeah. It's a fastball down the middle. You mm-hmm. always catch the plate. But, um, you know, it, it was like... Why mess with it? You know, that was your resistance. The great Pat Morita is no longer with us in that Miyagi character. How do you move that forward? And, you know, it was risk reward for me. So I I sort of held it. And I write about this in in my my book. I write about it. I held held it to a certain standard and on a certain pedestal. Mm. Um, So it was quite precious. Because it defined your young adult life. Yeah. And it sort of, it is is a, a cultural uh, uh, touch point. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a piece of history. Yeah, it, it is exactly that. Right. And it's a lot of whether it's, a, you know, someone in their, a guy in his 40s, a woman in her 30s, or someone in their 60s, or a kid who's yeah. 15. Yeah. It's like this movie meant something to me. So why am I going to fuck with that? And you didn't need the you bread. Know? Yeah. Not, 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 I mean, we could always use a little more of that, but <laughs> I somehow <laughs> yeah. was able to string it all together over the years, even during the drier, lean yeah. years. But when they came to me with this, you know, I had just seen Creed. Which was sort of the how do you do the Rocky Balboa the, how universe? Do the, how do you do a Rocky, Rocky universe and <laughs> and not be Rocky Nine? Right. right, and that was sort of kind of smart yeah. coming through the eyes right. of Apollo Creed's kid. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So that kind of was was uh, was relevant and it presently at the time, and then so the concept of taking okay, who is Johnny Lawrence? What happened to this guy after he took the crane kick to the face kind of yeah. thing? And where did Larusso go? Now these these right. Writers had um, had a, a way into the universe, but then when they spoke about the kids, you know, yeah. and Johnny's son who yeah. becomes my student, yeah. and and Miguel uh, uh, is sort of the millennial Daniel Larusso, and yeah. my daughter being overprotected. Now I start seeing, okay, oh yeah, it's not just these two guys fighting about nineteen. It's not. It's not. It's not about you. It's and, not and, only that. I mean, you need that, and that's still but, a tent pole. But it's going to honor the legacy right. as opposed to diminish yeah, it. Exactly. exactly. And did, but still, who yeah. knew? Who right. Knew? Well, right. Who knew it started on YouTube? Yeah, exactly. and, and it was just it blew up. Yeah, but but when those conversations in those conversations when they were talking about character and, and presenting to you, how many kind of pitch meetings did you have to go through? Did you were you able to have any input? Um, to uh, to a point, you know, the beauty is they see the whole roadmap. The yeah. John, Josh, and Hayden. Yeah, and for Billy and I, um, you know, we see our characters yeah. that we've been walking in the shoes of and sitting yeah. the skin in since for close to 40 years at that time say 34 years or whatever yeah. um <laughs> so you're protective and i play the protagonist of the movie the hero quote unquote yeah whether you thought the kick was illegal or not or right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's the real jerk and who's the real bully well, that's what, become, the, we have to talk yeah. about that kick yeah. in general because that's like if there's if there's any breaking news in this book it's that that kick was nearly impossible to really get. Yeah, well, it was, yes, yes, as written, as originally written. But anyway, so yeah. all that stuff, so um, we the input was there from the onset yeah. with the guys, and they're very collaborative, and yeah. we're always talking that stuff through. But they get the tiebreaker because they're looking at the whole landscape. Yeah, right. right. And so there, have, there has been push and pull throughout, but the longevity of the Cobra Kai series yeah. is uh, credited them 
saying, I know you're feeling this, but this is that way because of what we have here. Uh-huh. And if we oh, go really? here, yeah. you know, you could you could front load everything and front load all the guest stars and Cobra Kai is done in three seasons. Right. But right. it has, um, you know, it's been, listen, it's been, this franchise has got some blessing from day one. And I credit John Avelson, Jerry Weintraub, Robert Kamen, who wrote the original script. Yeah. You know, they created a, a, a world that we go back to and now these guys are adding more colors and, and layers and the benefit also too is that it, you know unlike some shows uh you can kind of let these kids grow yeah yeah and yeah, you, you can get, get older breathe. yeah well that's stream, streaming service they give you you don't have to do the two and a two hour and 15 minute blockbuster movie right but also just that like because they're at a certain age there's no reason they're not going to age out too right. quickly because yeah. they can you can keep doing Karate yeah. classes, no, sure. Because <laughs> like, a lot of these things, there's two years between them, right? And you got to believe sure. that the guys. It's he's, the welcome back, Cotter. Yeah, thing. Yeah, he's like <laughs> 80 years old, and he's supposed yeah, yeah. to be 60, and it's I like, know. what happened? I know. Yeah. So when you're a kid, you, you grew up where? Uh, Long Island, New York. Still, Which way? Still home base. What town? I grew up in Dix Hills. Oh yeah, I I just I play Huntington's. Yeah. Oh uh, the, yes, yes, the Paramount. The Paramount. It's great. Yeah, they give you a brick. They give you a brick. I've been there. I've seen. I think I've seen the Marin brick. Have you seen a brick? Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they, they. It's like they give you a commemorative. I've, I've got two bricks. Yeah. Uh, it's a good club. It's great. The yeah. Town you see is, rock. You see rock shows there. Uh, I the last I was there, I took my son to see. Oh God, it wasn't a rock show though. No. It was um, comedy. Oh, man. No, it was a, it was like a rap, but like, but a, uh, oh. a, 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 a fun, upbeat kind of mainstream rap, rapper. Oh, okay. and I'm just blanking out on the name. <laughs> friendly, friendly, friendly show, friendly show. For yeah, my yeah. Son. How old is your son? He's 26 now. Oh, my, so my that was a while ago. My daughter's 30, and she'll be angry that I just said that. No, she won't. <laughs> but and I'm only 32, so how this was done, it's just <laughs> it's, it's crazy, crazy. dude. It's crazy. You have these grown kids. I know. It's, it is crazy. But you you seem pretty. I think one of the the things about you is you seem you know well adjusted and 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 also like I mean you look at some of the people that came up uh, in your generation you you never made any uh, bad news right yeah I'm the anti E True Hollywood yeah. story as I allude to in, in the waxing <laughs> yeah, on book yeah, yeah. but um, yeah I mean some of that is my sensibilities my upbringing my parents yeah how my, were you brought up my uh, you know suburban uh, not not Italian? super yeah Italian but and my dad's half Greek, so I, that makes me a quarter. That's a I lot guess. of food. That's a yeah, lot it's of a food lot of food, a lot of Mediterranean, a lot of olive oil. Yeah, but never, you know, it wasn't like Sunday gravy and sure, the pasta sure. and right. the seven fishes on Christmas Eve. It yeah, wasn't yeah. pretty Americanized. Yeah, um, but um, everybody's uh, from uh, Long Island. You got the yeah. grandparents and the whole. Yep. Yep. Extended family, yeah, extended family, still home Cousins. base, still home base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, not the massive big Italian sure fam- like in the traditional yeah, yeah. way. Um, you know, but but uh, fairly close. My brother and I, about two and a half years apart, and and my wife and her family was somewhat like that as well. So that's, I think. For me, I've kept one foot in, one foot out of it all. Right, I, but, I, I but write it seems about like your priorities. Well. Priorities like I I, I have family. a hit movie, but if the Mets are in the World Series, I'm going back home. You right. know, and that's what I was doing in '86. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, once I got the outsider, I came out to L.A. So what? Yeah. So like your brothers, how much? What's he's age? younger, two and a half years younger. And what's he do? He's like my dad was sort of self-made. Yeah. My dad worked, owned some laundromats, then bought a pump truck when he needed to. Oh yeah. Pump out the the overflowing septic, septic tank, yeah, yeah. and then owned the biggest liquid waste company oh, really? on Long Island, sold <laughs> that. My yeah. brother took off on that. He's more into 
into water purifying. Oh wow! And I'm the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're the yeah. It's interesting that. There are people that do jobs and they may be great at their jobs and they may be great at starting those kind of companies and they seem necessary, but you you, you realize that some people work to have the life they want to have. Right. Not because like, I love water pumps. Right, right. I right. love pumping sewage. Yeah, no. you know? That just <laughs> happened when you got your first right. thing and it led to something else. Yeah, and then you just get a good business yeah, going yeah, and exactly. then you live the life you want. Yeah. You don't and, have to love your job. Right, exactly. We do, <laughs> kind of. Right. Yes, true, true. You used to just work and not ask yeah, questions. Yeah, that's right. But I like that. But it seems that your sensibility is around family. I mean, you've been with your wife forever, right? Yeah, 35 years. When, how old were you when you met her? Met her, I was 15. That's crazy, crazy. right? Crazy. It was, you know, and we dated platonically as, you know. It's like kids? Like kids for a couple of months. And then we always remained friends. Yeah. You know, uh, my fir- our first date was seeing Scorsese's New York, New York with uh, De, Niro De Niro and yeah. Liza Minnelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're kind of highbrow uh, high school kid? Yeah, uh, not necessarily. You just like musicals? I did like musicals. Wanted to be Gene Kelly. I, 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 write, I write that early on in the book, too. I, that's what I, I watched musicals with my mom when I was a kid. Really? You know, the 4.30 movie in New York. Yeah, you what know, station was that? Uh, Channel 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it had the Gone with the Wind music as the theme. Right, yeah. Um, and then, you know, it would be, you know, whether it was Fred Astaire, it was, you know. You got to see was, all those old ones. Oh, uh, yeah. I used to watch all and that stuff. And your mom grew up with that shit. Yeah, which, you know, it was like me, the Entermen's chocolate donuts, yeah. <laughs> milk home from school and watching movie musicals. And I was like, coast. And uh, Gene Kelly was the, you know, he was, he was like the, the star baseball football player hockey yeah. player and yet dancer and yeah is this and that was, he, was, took, he was your guy he was my guy at that at that young age i mean like did you, five did, did you learn, <laughs> yeah but did you learn how to dance i did a little bit yeah a little bit took that oh, you seem like a guy that could do a musical I, I did a musical. Which I did one? a musical called How to Succeed in oh, Business. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that really right. Tried. Matthew Broderick did the Broadway yeah. version. It was a you know at the um, revival, right. and I did the national tour. But so how long did that go on for? A year. Did, by the time did and you, I was this was ninety six. Did you love it? I did love it for you know it was like a, a little over a year for like ten and a half months. I loved it. Then I started getting. Exhausted. The and job. Plus, the by job. then you're moving like one week city to city. Yeah. You know, at first you're doing four weeks in San Francisco and all two right, weeks in Chicago, right. and yeah. it was then, like yeah. it's Schenectady and it's uh, yeah back you know, on the bus. It's you, you know, taking it's a Melbourne. bus. Uh, no, I never. I most of the I I did get the cushy. Yeah. You know, drove uh, flew. Yeah, they flew flew, flew drove. Yeah, and I had my family. My daughter was five four. Yeah. Uh, my son was a house plant at the time you know yeah. it was like you added water and you yeah. just kept growing and and so yeah. that was it was an amazing year and so and and so theater is in my in my blood you know as well and you like didn't you do a thing with de niro yes. like like when Cuban you were and Bear. yeah that was 86 what was that movie what was that play about it was about a, a cuban-american drug dealer de niro played him on lower east side of manhattan and i was his son uh he had the long hair and the yep, beard the long right hair. It was right I after remember. the mission yeah and and i was uh, his son who was a, a, a a creative writer who was, you know, uh, sort of uh, experimenting with heroin at the time. And it was a father's son trying to reach his son. Like, don't do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Kind of scenario. So uh, how was that? Do you remember? It was great. How old were you? Uh, I was just 24, 25. Okay, so you were a grown so person. So playing sixteen. I played sixteen for thirty seven years. That's yeah. a, you know that's the, that's the deal. That's my that's my go to. Um, it's a good one. Everybody laughs. But like what do you like? So you got to go study heroin. I got to go study heroin. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because De Niro was like, you know, it probably you know makes sense if you want to go to one of these. Uh, 
I said, man, I can probably pretend. <laughs> now he wasn't telling me to shoot heroin. Yeah, yeah. But to go to a, you know, a, a, yeah, one of those houses to hang out. Yeah, a yeah. Shooting, a shooting gallery. gallery. Down the lower side. Yeah. So I went and I walked. I walked the, those streets and went around. And Miguel Pinero was a, a playwright. Oh, yeah. who, who was written a. The, he wrote a, a play called. He wrote the play. Dark Eye. It was uh, dark Short Eye. Short Eyes. I knew. Oh Jesus. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Brutal. So, so um, one of the characters in the play, sort of my dealer, was yeah. based on Miguel Pinero. And he's okay. Sort of, so I, the sixteen-year-old kid, is a spy. Aspiring to that part oh, of the art, okay. well, his yeah, dad, yeah. and Burt Young was in the play as well. Is my so right. it was a great. It was at the Public Theater. Um, it was amazing. Uh, Did it have a good run? It had a it had a great eight week run. A little. 99 seat yeah. thing and then we moved up to Broadway to the yeah. Long Acre and it was you know it was the hottest ticket in town and I had you know I, Crossroads was just finishing in the theaters not that it lasted very long Karate Kid 2 was opening and the Mets were winning 108 games and I'd come out of the Long Acre <laughs> theater and be like you know Paul McCartney leaving Shea Stadium for <laughs> that was that summer for me yeah. you know that was yeah. like the probably the biggest of it all that was take you were at your peak um, it just just all of that happening you well, know yeah. Yeah, because I, I wonder, like, I it's I wonder how that it, it's interesting that you lived through that and and somehow you did not you kept your your ego in check mm-hmm. and but, you kept you know like you kept in your lane a bit like yeah. you could have really for the most part I mean we we spoke about that earlier but for the most part it's it's a combination of like I said my sure. upbringing. Uh, my sensibilities and then my n- neuroses <laughs> or my n- neurotic kind of um, knowing good and bad and maybe being not taking the risk. You know well, what I sure. mean? Sure. Well, you know your limitations. You know and my limitations. Exactly. Like, so, and sometimes, sometimes you have to go there to, sure. and certainly as an actor, yeah. it, it, it probably benefits. Yeah. To, to go down those sure. paths, I was always, you know, it, it, I really had to get past my, you know, and I'm cool. Yeah. When I was on The Outsiders, they, I think the guys wanted to get me a shirt that said, do not disturb, because that was always on my door. I would <laughs> like do the scenes. I'd go back, study my lines, and be ready. I was in a Coppola film. I can't yeah. mess this up. Now, yeah, so let's sometimes talk about you just that. have to relax a little bit, and I've learned that over time. Yeah, yeah. Well, But maybe, it might have kept, kept me out of trouble. Maybe it's time to, to go to the shooting gallery. Let's go and, to the shooting and, gallery and, and let's and just get that a roll on. Full, yeah. There we go. <laughs> it's it's, it's it, happened here, folks. This yeah, is where... it's going to happen. Like yeah. your your big uh, your 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 amazing method star turn is yet to is happen. Now, yeah, no, I'm just you know I'm just a kid in a candy store. <laughs> what? So how does it happen? So you're out there on in Dix Hills. Yep. And you you how do you get from there to the outsiders? Well, I know we, that was one of those ones where. He cast it all over the country, right? Or no? Uh, not not so much. Oh. I mean, I know he cast the big the big casting story with the Outsiders is that he had all the uh, Francis had all the actors in the same room, okay, watching each other, which is you know. Just... Well, that was during his like he was building a studio. Yes, right. Yes, so uh, true. He, right. he had one from he had Apocalypse and one from the Heart or and Rumblefish, right? Rumblefish came after the Outsiders. Right, that was a double banger in Tulsa. He shot them back to back. And yeah, right, I was just in Tulsa. Yeah, and it's, there's plaques all over the place yep, yep. for the outsiders. Yeah, I'm going Fish. to Tulsa for uh, for waxing on to do. S.E. Hinton is going to do in conversation with me. No shit. For the book. We're and doing she... a book event, book tour event in Tulsa. Yeah, and that's where she lives still. Yeah, she's still there. Wow. You know. That's wild, man. But uh, yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that. So, author to author. Now I could. Uh, yeah. But, but how I got to from from Dix Hills yeah. to uh, commercials, 
got a bubble yum commercial, you know. A bubble yum. A I remember bubble yum. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah, it was that Saturday, was a so, it was like it was you big know, soft chewy, it was you know. Pre-chewed. Yeah. yeah. Bubble pre-chewed. <laughs> you didn't have to do any work <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the flavor was gone it was in a big 15 deal. to 20 seconds. Yeah. You know. So you did you a bubble yum commercial. Yeah, I did two. Yeah. I was called back for the for the for the reboot. You had the magic. Uh, yeah, I did. It was this it was sort of like a song and dance. Yeah. You know, with a group there, of kids. Musical skills. You know, just unpacking everything. And then um, uh, first movie I auditioned for that I got was uh, a film called Up the Academy, directed by Robert Downey Sr. Wow, and that Downey must have been Jr. Downey Jr. As we know him, he was uh, 14 at the time, and he was you know on set and you know Up uh, the Academy because Downey Sr. was sort of I don't know that movie, but he was kind of a a, 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 a cult a director rebel. in New York. Yes, yes. I mean, his Greasers Palace and Putney Swope and Putney Swope is underground. Yeah, yeah. Film. So, so what was that one? What it, was Up the Academy? Up the Academy was a Warner Brothers movie that was about written by uh, I think Tom Patchett and Jay Tarsus. These uh, guys oh, yeah. were, you know, of the, the sitcom Yeah, Tarsus the, became a big showrunner, right? Or an executive. Didn't yeah, well, he run his a daughter, network? Oh, his daughter Jamie but he Tarsus. Jamie Tarsus, right? Yes, she was an NBC. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I got the part and my character's name was Chooch Bombalazzi and I yeah. had to play everything like this. He was a mob kid. Yeah. And then there was so it was four misfits from different areas, like the rich kid from Connecticut, yeah. the Italian kid and the mob, the African American kid. Uh, was this the, his his attempt at making a a, a sellable movie? I think uh, I th- I think from my perspective yeah. and opinion, I don't have the the intel. Yeah. But I think he just he got the the job. He was hired to direct oh, this okay. Okay. movie. It yeah, was yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. a negative pickup at Warner Brothers yeah. for yeah. X amount of of dough, and then they slapped a Mad Magazine. Because what happened is, as once we made the film, Animal House must have come out right I see, before. I'm looking at the poster right now. Right. I, oh, so Mad Magazine produced it, or no? What? They just slapped that on last after the movie was cut. It was all of a sudden became Mad Magazine's Up the Academy, and then they did some prosthetic-y Alfred E. Newman mask, and they tagged the little piece of footage at the end of it. Yeah, it's a real, it's a, it's an R-rated uh, comedy about Weinberg Military Academy. It was just weird. It's how I. It was the first part, but from there. Why Ron Liebman was in it? Ron Liebman was in it. Took his name off the credits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, and uh, good actor though. Hutch, that guy. played great actor, and yeah. Hutch, Hutch Parker was in it. Played was Parker Stevenson's younger brother. He wound up like running Paramount for a while. Or <sighs> anyway, so uh, so that from there. ABC was doing some talent search and yeah. I went in, you know, I had a little something under my belt, auditioned and they put me, they sort of signed me, put me on eight is enough. Okay. Yeah. So right, I was right. nine was too many and that right. was the end of that show. Uh, 22 episodes in. This is all, I'm rolling with all How my good shit. Uh, How many episodes uh, 20, did you do? 20, you did 20... 21 episodes. So you I made think. money. Yeah, okay. You Moved out up. to Santa Monica, stayed at, uh, actually I got that part and two days later the actors went on strike, the screen actually went on strike for three months. So I had an apartment <laughs> and I was living back home calling the hotline for SAG to see if I was ever going to work again. Yeah. And then from eight is enough after that with the Outsiders audition and that was the one, you know. That was now the, when you were living out here, were you, did your mom come out with you? Or no, you? nope. I was just, you know, I was, just, I was probably 20. Oh, so you were already old. Uh, Old enough. No, I was, in, I was in nineteen. I just have nineteen, twenty. It's, you got to do the Machio curve because I yeah. looked like I was fourteen. So that means I had to be nineteen or twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and and the day came out to set me up and such. Right. 
Um, and they would go back and forth, but it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a minor. Right. So uh, the outsider. So you go audition. That was the for big it. one. That was the one I wanted. I read it when I was twelve. Yeah, of course. I wanted that. Everyone part. had to read it. Yeah. And um, and that was still still holds a, be- a special place for me. That, it's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah, fantastic. Steve Buram cinematography and crazy. Cop- it's Coppola. But yeah. yeah, but how'd that audition go? Did he put you, were you in the room with everybody yeah, right away? Yeah, kind of. And uh, I kept, and he was, Francis was very much like, okay, you read Pony Boy, you read Cherry, you read Johnny, you read Dallas, and, yeah. and then switch, okay, now you read this right. and you read that. And it right. was, you know, it was anywhere from the guys in the cast to the, like Dennis Quaid's and Mickey Rourke and, and the Scott Bayos and the, you know, everybody was, you know. Was, uh, they were all coming kid, in and everyone out? Everyone was coming. Everyone wanted of to be in the Of a certain movie. age group, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but for me, I wanted to play Johnny and Johnny only. Johnny, uh, you know, Johnny Cade, yeah. that great character. And because I felt he, I, you know, I when related you read the to book, being, he was the, the guy. Yeah, I yeah. just, re- I, I related to him being the sort of the runt of the litter. Yeah. The, the, the one that was protected. Yeah. I, he had a broken family life and I did not. I had the antithesis of that. But so you had to I act. just you had sort challenge of, yourself. I challenged myself, but, and, and, uh, and, you know, but I don't, there was just a connection. I just, I, he's a sympathetic character, so yeah. I sympathize with the, yeah. the guy. And um, so having that opportunity, I kept wanting to only read Johnny, and uh, and I talked to Francis about that even to the to recent times, talking about how I wanted that part. Yeah. Uh, and he remembers me. Like yeah. when he said, "Okay, now I want you to read Pony Boy." I said, "Yeah, but uh, you know, just don't answer back." The guy directed The Godfather <laughs> and Apocalypse. Who do you think? It's so funny. Youth is wasted on the young. You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, and then they they went around and they they went. I think he went to New York and brought a bunch of guys uh, from the cast, yeah. uh, like Emilio Estevez and Rob Lowe, and they went to New York and met and brought Matt Dillon in, who got who wound up being in both Outsiders and yeah. Rumblefish. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go on that trip, so I thought maybe I didn't get the, the okay. deal, yeah, but yeah. I found out later that, that I, I was in the bank already. I, was, I would have oh, appreciated, the, yeah, I would yeah. appreciated the call they, two months they, earlier. You know, they, they forget to call about a lot of or, things. Or maybe they were just looking for something else. But uh, in hindsight, sure. it's all good. It was a great, uh, it's a great one on the resume, and I'm, I'm super proud. So that was like, I guess Matt Dillon's first thing was my bodyguard, right? And then, um, or, and yeah, then Matt... I think he had Over the Edge. Oh, right, yeah, God, yeah. I should be his publicist. Look at that. Who knows that? But uh, I don't think he knows. Do you? That. Are you friends with any of these people? Yeah, the ones stay, that are alive. Yeah, I mean, I, I connect with. Um, is Leif Matt. still alive? Uh, Leif is still alive. Yeah. I haven't spoken to him in a while. But you talked to Dylan. I uh, I haven't in the last couple of years, but we connect because in New York we're both New Yorkers, and we've yeah. you know uh, uh, I have such great respect for him and and his work and and Rob Lowe and yeah. see Thomas Howell and you know Diane Lane and who yeah. doesn't who doesn't love Diane, Diane Lane's fucking She's just fantastic. Best. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, Emilio, She's, I was close with Emilio for a while, for a couple of years after. Anytime I came out to LA, yeah. I would hang out, you know, hang out, and that, that was like me being a Hollywood guy in Malibu, right? Know, Hanging it was out sort with of like Emilio. fantasy camp. The other good kid, he's, right? He's pretty good. Kid. He is a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that must have been fun. What, did was Martin Sheen around? Did you? He was a little bit. I did a film. I did a TV movie with Martin called uh, "The Last POW," and uh, and I've known you know Martin through Emilio and and Charlie, and it's uh, good guys. Yeah, they're good. They you know good yeah. guys to me. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Always, always uh, mutual respect. Yeah, they're totally different lives, totally different coasts, totally it's, different everything. Sure, it's so funny that they all that whole generation of those guys. Because even like Charlie Sheen, when you think about, he was in Ferris Bueller, right? Didn't he? Yes. For like a second, yeah, he was the kid in, yeah. who had been busted, the stoner. Yeah, yeah, the stoner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's that whole generation of you guys. 
But is Downey, he's among that age, right? Right. Maybe, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think a, so. Around a little there. younger. Just a little, no, probably around that. I mean, I was one of, oddly, I'm one of the older ones. Yeah. Um, you know, on the outside, it was only Swayze was the only one at the time older yeah. than me, and I played the youngest, smallest, but that's been my thing. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. keep it, that's what I got, you know, that, those are the cards I've been dealt. So but I'll but it's it. interesting, isn't it, though, because you are, were considered a child actor, but you really weren't no, a child actor. No, I was not. Actor. I didn't start, I didn't get my first job until I well, it was 17 turned 18. I guess probably, that probably contributes to your ability to have some longevity is it like a lot of those child actors real child actors mm-hmm. it's it, they they grow out of themselves yeah your look yeah. didn't change you're yeah, already no. dug but, in but, but it, yeah but it, it, it became that double-edged sword yeah. I, I write about that as well yeah. you know when i was aging out of teenage stuff but i didn't mature into young leading man right and i'm still waiting yeah. on that but somehow I, I stay working throughout well i mean i haven't seen c thomas howell in in, in a long time yeah in things well he's he's doing his own i think he's doing music stuff now and uh and i don't want to i know there's something acting wise happening for yeah. him right now but i don't want to be the guy to okay to drop that so and tom cruise you still got his phone number i think tom cruise is he still working <laughs> he's just doing okay How's yeah he, he, doing? he just had a, a movie come out i, I think it was kind of popular yeah, he did okay right. once again <laughs> just tapping into yesteryear that's what we do folks um that, that film did uh you know top gun maverick did, did, did you see every, it? it did everything right you saw it yeah that's what i, I think. didn't see that's, it yet yeah i think it does it does everything right and we, you know, it's interesting in the press junkets for um for cobra kai yeah. now we're hearing that like these are the two examples uh, how to do it right. Oh, yeah. You know, one is a streaming series and one is a yeah. A, a, a multi-billion cool. dollar movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's but do you, do you, are you in touch with that guy? Uh, not, not, not really. Normally, but, yeah. um, you know, I bumped into him a few times and we, you know, we just talk about how we kind of preserve pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we look pretty <laughs> good for our ages. Yeah, that's true. And, that's uh, true. you know, and maybe who knows, maybe he is, like, I ran into Ben Stiller at something who I'd never met in my life and he was, he came up and he was talking about uh, how his kids love the Cobra Kai oh, series, really? and he's yeah, you know, because he's uh, and it was just he's it's co- kind of he, cool. He to keeps up connect. pretty well too. He looks pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. He's doing all right. That Mediterranean thing. He's yeah, got I the Jew it, thing. You got the Italian. Yeah, that's thing. right. I don't know how Cruz is doing it. Yeah, well, that's we, a, we a secret. That's some secret <laughs> magic there. Yeah, uh, dark magic maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, so after the Outsiders, Karate Kid, like Pat Morita. Mm-hmm. Was hilarious. Yeah, he was a stand-up comic. Yeah, the hip yeah. nip. Right, right. The hip that's nip, what it was. That's what they called Lenny yeah. Bruce's. My right about that. Right, that I'm waxing on. The, yeah, it was Lenny Bruce's mother who gave him that. Uh, well, that was his manager, right? Uh, uh, wasn't she her, his manager? Uh, per, perhaps. I think. Perhaps. And I know he didn't start till he was like thirty. Yeah. You know, into that. And he was, you know, I, I talk a lot 60s about and this. Seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talk a lot about that. You know, he was Arnold from Happy Days for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. So I mean, honestly, when when I got the part of Daniel LaRusso, uh and and they were looking for who are we gonna cast as the great Miyagi in this in this uh, screenplay and you know, it's Toshiro Mafune was the you know, the Akira Kawasawa yeah. great act that, seven that samurai. Was, that's I mean that's, that's what who, they were thinking? Yeah, they were thinking along those lines. Um and uh but then it was, and they could not, not find Miyagi, you know, and where was he? He was right in front of everybody. He was, yeah. he was on the happiness. <laughs> yeah. And I walked in that day and I, I had, it's so funny because now, and I, I allude to this in uh, like the second, uh, second or third chapter where I talk about the irony of my initial 
insight into Pat Morita auditioning for Mr. Miyagi and saying, oh, this thing. I mean, Arnold from Happy Days, yeah. this is going to be like a... You thought I that. had all these preconceived notions. Yeah. And the irony is years later, I went through that same, oh, Ralph Macho, yeah, he's that. You know, yeah. you know, you get pigeonholed. Sure. You get to, you know, it's, it's preconceived notions sure. versus... And then I walk in the room and he is instantly Miyagi and I am instantly Daniel LaRusso and that yin-yang kind of chemistry was just from the from the first meeting yeah. I mean, you could just see the filmmakers and just say this is done yeah you know just the first time we read four four lines it was really it was just so easy and so natural when when you were brought in for it how did is it just a straight audition with a bunch I of went other to, dudes I, I said no there were a bunch of other dudes it was yeah. it was in John Avelson's apartment John Avelson directed Rocky yeah. along with the Karate Kid yeah. and other other great films and he it was his apartment Upper East Side um, I, I do explicitly go what that day was like for me. Yeah. Um, and I walk what in was it there. Like? It was, well, basically it was, um, okay. The sending me the script called the karate kid. I was like, seriously, is this an after school special? How old were you? 20? 20, uh, karate 21. Yeah. Um, the outsiders was out there. So I, you know, I had felt a little bit that, of street cred. Did you know? it do well? It did. It did. I certainly did very well. From the outsiders it, yeah. was not, you know, you thought it was going to be the biggest hit yeah, in the world. It's right. a great book. And yeah. it did well, but it did not. It was too weird for people because yeah. of the way Coppola and conceived of it. Yeah, p- perhaps it yeah. was a, it was a romance to, to it all, but that was, you know, it was written by a 16 year old girl and that's how was she it shot all her. like, were, how much was shot in a studio? No, most was shot it's all in Tulsa. Yeah. yeah, all in Tulsa. There was one, you know, with the that sunset. cinematography was crazy. Yeah, the sunset scene with me talking, you know, the the, the and Rumblefish too, huh? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah, all right, so, anyway, right, so, so you, you get the script. Little, so I got the script and I, you know, the title was just like, I, yeah. I, I, I joke about it in the book where I say, God, this is such a bad title that if the thing ever works, I'll probably have to carry it for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and it's and, and Jerry Weintraub, the producer, would say to yeah. me all the time when I complain about the title, he goes, it's a terrible title, which makes it a great title. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Anyway, I uh, took the train into Manhattan yeah. from Long Island, you know, studying my part and I go into Avelson's apartment waiting my turn and uh, who's there anybody who's there it's, no it's just John just John and a big who's JVC waiting? Who's waiting? video camera uh, in the hallway I think I recognize years later it was John Cryer a couple oh, other yeah. people that okay. were yeah. you know um, and they were all a lot of people were making fun of the title and it was interesting I write about this having the script that weekend preparing for the audition yeah. to still audition for the guy who directed Rocky yeah. so it was going to his major league you know ballpark yeah. Yeah. you know but uh, I remember being kind of offended that people were making fun of the title when yeah. I made fun of the title sure so yeah. but it's yeah. almost like when you uh, I write it's like when someone says I can make fun of my brother but you can't exactly yeah and so that was starting to happen right away which yeah. is kind of interesting I, I, I wonder if that's some subliminal like I was taking control of it you know I maybe don't know. oh that's well, interesting I might, I might right. be adding more to it and making myself sound, right. well, sound well, smarter well, well, well no I think it was probably like you know you you know, by the time you got to Manhattan and decided you're gonna you're gonna go I'm gonna for go this. for it yeah so I started so falling you, in love right right know? so you had to you know you had to frame it in your head yeah. as something worth doing yeah exactly yeah so I auditioned for and John just talk and my audition you can see on YouTube he posted it oh you did and he intercuts it with the first time Pat Morita read and it's really interesting and I write about this and then you could have the visual to sure. click on and see the first time I ever spoke Daniel LaRusso's yeah. words you know yeah. 
And uh, interestingly, it's kind of felt like the movie is. It's not like, oh, that's where I started and I went to here. It's, yeah. It sort of was natural organic from sure. the up front. I put a little bit of yeah. East Coast bravado into him and yeah. a little feistiness. And, yeah. And um, and John was just holding a, a big J, big ass JVC camera yeah. kind of thing, like a VHS and, recorder. Yeah, VHS recorder. Yeah, and just reading with me as he's holding the camera in his hand. He did that. Oh, he had the camera all the time. You wow. go out to lunch with him, he would be shooting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know, he said to me basically, he goes, you know, I'm. I can't make final decisions uh, right now, but if I were you, I'd start taking some karate lessons. <laughs> I was like, this is a pretty good sign on a first date, is yeah, it not? Yeah, yeah. And I came out of that building, and I literally didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. You know, um, that, uh, that I didn't even take a cab. I think I ran all the way down to Penn Station. And I couldn't call anybody because it's, yeah, I didn't have got, a cell phone. Yeah, it's 1983. To, get into a phone booth. Yeah, right, right. And like Superman. And, and you're who you are, so you didn't immediately yeah. go out and start ruining your career. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> go down to Alphabet um, City. Yeah. So, so that's, um, you know, that's sort of how it happened. And then I flew out to LA and went more uh, hoops to jump through before. Sure. But it's when Pat Morita got in the room with me is when all of a sudden it was a sign off, and then it was all the options were picked up, and it was right. a go. Oh, well, I thought, yeah, I thought it was interesting, in, you know, in flipping through the book that the way that uh, you know, came and frames that relationship mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, after Pat passed, that you know what is left there is one of these a classic sort of Hollywood pairing. Yeah. That transcends, you know, time and and place, yeah. really. Yeah. That you two guys, I mean, people will remember that and it'll be around forever. Yeah. It it is a it is a uh, it, exactly that. It's framing of a of a time, a piece of pop culture, a piece of, um, you know. And I'll get. I mean, it sounds. It, sometimes I tell these stories and I I hesitate because they sound uh, not in telling them, but it's people get it like okay enough already. But it people come up to me emotional. Of all ages, yeah. about you know what this movie meant, what that Daniel Larusso character meant to them growing up, what uh, not having a Mr. Miyagi in their life, or the Mr. Miyagi they had in their life that they no longer have in their life, or yeah. their dad and them would watch this movie, or yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, what it got people through, and it's this, you know, it's a popcorn karate movie, but yet it worked on that human level. I don't know, but it, is it though? Because it is about you know a kid. You know, you know, trying to become or, yeah. or you know, learning how to to be a, a good person and navigate life, fish out of water, All that, yeah. bullying, mentor, yeah. mentors, and having that 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 person to right. you know, to help you. So it's uh, one of those try. stories that you know uh, that would resonate with a lot of lost, you know, troubled people right. or people that you know had a certain amount of heartbreak around their family yep. situation. Yep. So it's it's really has resonated and and uh, yeah you know I mean I got look I look at that I look at the outsiders that you mentioned even even my cousin Vinny is another I just saw that one of those that kind of still hang in there I just saw that recently yeah it's a I funny know, I, it's I, a late for dinner movie uh, yeah I, I mean I was flipping through and I'm like I'm not sure I ever watched this whole movie uh, and it was pretty close to the beginning you yeah, know? yeah yeah and it was kind of funny because you know you you start 
as all these people get older, like not Marissa so much, but like with Pesci, you forget that he was kind of, he could do this lighthearted kind of goofy yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, he's very, you know. He's coming when back. You, when you, yes, he is. He is. They all come back if yeah, you could yeah. get him. You give him you know, a good, like, I'm good done, role. I'm retired. You know what? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, you got along with him on that set? Yes, very much so. Very yeah. much so. He would he would come, like, I, I met him when I was doing Kubernetes. Eccentric, I think, is what I wanted, yeah. the word yeah, I wanted. Is, yeah, he is eccentric, and he's quiet. You know, he's to himself. Yeah. You know, everyone's, you know, they, you just go, everybody does their Pesci impression yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for the most part, you know, he's very... Yeah, you know, uh, quiet. But he would uh, first met. I first met Joe when I was doing Cuban as Teddy Bear with, with De Niro. Yeah, and um, you know, and my cousin Vinny wasn't an easy get for me because that was sort of the beginning of the downturn of. Well, let's talk about that. If if like so, you go from the Karate Kid, and so you shoot this movie, right? And then you, it blows up, right? And you're like the hottest kid in in Hollywood at 21, 22. Right. 22 at that point. Yeah. So. What do you? You're out here. Do you buy a house? What? what, what? No, no. Once I did the Outsiders before the credit, I moved back to New York. Like my uh, the apartment I rented was probably for two years on yeah. and off. Okay. The eight is enough apartment, yeah. Yeah. and then I spent a year just you know studying acting yeah. because I figured maybe I should learn how to do it. Yeah. I sort of got the parts first and then figured out the craft. Who'd you study with? I studied with Lynette Gonzalez, who was yeah. uh, Milton Gonzalez's uh, ex-wife. In she, New York? No, here yeah, at yeah. the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Okay. For you know six months on and off scene study. Yeah, and you that helped? It did. It did help because I actually brought in uh, the scene from The Outsiders before my audition to sort of, you know, play and find get some get some feedback. Yeah, yeah. And that was, uh, yeah. Oh, God, you're taking me. It's 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 fun to go down this, this open these cans yeah. that have been uh, closed tight for a while. Yeah. I mean, um, when, when you did that, though, that kind of scene work with somebody, I imagine, was very intense. and, and Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a way to... Um, well, here's the story. See, now you're doing a great job because now I remember exactly yeah. how this this happened. I auditioned for Fred Roos, who is yeah. Francis Coppola's still producer yeah. and uh, and casting director. He yeah. cast American Graffiti and The Outsiders. When you right. look at those two wow. alone, big cast. Not yeah. to mention the you know the Godfather and Apocalypse and yeah. everything else. But I read for him, and I didn't get a callback. Yeah. And then the movie fell off. And they weren't making, you know, they were going to make yeah. it and then they weren't going to make it. Right. Then when it came back and they were recasting again, I put, that's when I went to acting class. I was like, I, I need, so I brought in the scene that I didn't get, you know, the movie didn't happen. So no one got the part. Right. But, um, so it was, so I, I and the feedback was that I wasn't kind of there yet and huh. I did not have, oh, yeah. you know, I yeah. was saying the stuff and I had the right look, but maybe not the, enough of the gravitas huh. or, or what, what should be underneath. Yeah. So I took that to heart and, and started, um, yeah. so then when I went back in, um, I mean, it's it's not as simple as this, but I'm giving you the broad strokes. Yeah. And then, you know, as history would say, I got the, you know, I, I got the What was the part. key for that? Um, I just think it was just about, um, you know, living in it for that character and not just, just because I had the look of Johnny Cade and yeah. I had the dialogue doesn't mean I had the... But what did she teach you to, to um, connect with what I you think, needed to connect with? I think... Um, I mean, it, um, some of it might have just been taking the pressure off... Performing the audition, right, 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 right. Behavior, yeah, more like yeah. behavior yeah, and listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably was so amped up that I was just doing the lines yeah, and yeah. playing the sadness or playing the right. the darkness as opposed to the behavior part Feeling of it. And it. that's what the yeah. scene study helps you with. Is yeah. just um, oh, that's great. You know, and was that the last class you took? 
that's it. I got that part. I don't need this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I did it. Not true. Not true. I did it. So, okay, so you do Karate Kid, and, like, what happens when it just kills? I well, mean, it just, you know, uh, yeah, I talk, there's a chapter in the book called The Crane Takes Flight, which is sort of my, the beginning of the afterlife of, you know, there's yeah. the make. the book is kind of broken up into three parts, the making of the movie, yeah. you know, if I get to tell all those stories yeah. of how things sure. happen, then there's the afterlife, yes. you know, and then there's the lessons of, that, yeah. that are still giving back today. Yeah. Um, um, so that was, you know, that was all encompassing, you know, with going to Europe and doing the opening of the film there, and, yeah. and then to, uh, you know, Karate Kid Part 2. Well, tell me uh, the story about how the, that you know in the script this crane kick oh well here's the thing yeah yeah that story so the crane kick was written as you know his leg is injured so he's got to not use that leg at all yeah um this is the best of my memory any of this stuff you know like it's when you're writing something from 34 35 38 years ago yeah it's it's really about okay this is what i'm remembering of these moments yeah um so uh, but but for me it was it was written that he had the injured leg so he had to be able to throw the crane kick uh w- with one leg throw it yeah. and land back on yeah. that leg yeah that's not what it ended up being right um, so it was about how are we going to do this? But, did, but it didn't exist. It didn't exist in martial arts. This, this it didn't. Was, no, it, this I, is listen, a conception you, of this, right, the writer. And Robert came. I wrote his exact words. He yeah. goes, "It was cinematic. I made it up." <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he made up something beautiful that uh, that you could mention almost anywhere on the street, and yeah, it's like you know, people know universal. It. Yeah, so you know, it was about how are we going to do it? Are you going to do it with wires? Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and so um, at one point I was like, oh wow, this might not work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it wasn't like the movie's a disaster. We right. can't make this. But yeah, it was yeah. sort of like, okay, it was more in John Avelson's hands, uh, yeah. the director and, and the uh, stunt coordinator, Pat Johnson at the time of finding the best way to achieve, yeah. you know, cause it is cinematic. The yeah. arms are out open. Yeah. You're on one leg. Yeah, that's what everybody down. mimicked. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, um, you know, when yeah, they people came would out do that the just for a laugh, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 right, right you away. Just, you just, it's still done. And yeah. any MMA, you'll see someone yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do the pose, you know, <laughs> and it's on Twitter and Instagram that's the funny. next day. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, um, uh, this guy, Daryl Vidal, who's, who's, uh, Pat Morita's stunt. He did the, the Pat Morita crane when Daniel LaRusso sees it for the first time in yeah, a sort yeah. of fat suit. And he was up yeah, there doing yeah. it. And sort of, he was able to, to execute the kick and switch his weight so quickly that it almost, you never thought that he landed on the bad leg at all. Right. And so that was, I mean, it's, it's not that brilliant a fix, but yeah. it's sort of what was done. So how could you fluidly ex- execute yeah. Yeah. seamless yeah. going up, throwing it and landing yeah. back. And um, so, because it, it was written that he never, the, right. the, the base leg was the kick leg and right. the base leg, right. which kind of was awkward when anyone tried it. Right. You know, and that that's what became of it. And then it was about, okay, how can I Make pull it, this off and we just kept working on it and working on and it and did it and we did it and we shot it a zillion different ways wow and it really just played in low a low wide angle yeah and so what happens it becomes this huge success and now like how do you handle your life yeah i you know from there i mean it was it was you know karate kid part two, i did crawl the yeah. busiest year is probably crossroads karate kid part two yeah and then the cubanist teddy bear uh on broadway so those one two three 
Uh, was, and that's when you were walking out of was, the stage door. Yeah, stage door, and everybody's, you know, yeah, yeah, they're all crowded around. Yeah, well, yeah. you had De Niro's. Well, sure, so sure, let's yeah, not, yeah, let's yeah, not yeah. I'm not about, taking credit yeah. for all those people. They weren't all holding their hands up. But they, they weren't yeah, all yeah. doing that. No, no. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, it's a bit of a blur Yeah. Um, uh, to me. And then, you know, then I got married in 87. Okay. I think Tom Cruise married Mimi Rogers the same weekend. Uh huh. So that was cool because so no one even knew that I got married. Right. And also, <laughs> I guess you didn't go to each other's weddings. No, we did yeah, not. Yeah. That, that my wedding was very much just family and friends. It was not, you know, I had, I had honestly no one from the entertainment business. Long I'm Island. Like, Long Island. Yeah, yeah. How do you get there from yeah, here? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's how I, and that's the balance. I write about that. You know, there's the balance of my life. Sure. Keeping, you know, one foot in and one foot out. And uh, there were times that, um, you know, it wasn't always by design. Um, it seems like I'm well adjusted and I planned it that way. Yeah. But there were certainly years in the 90s and early 2000s when things were dry and I'm yeah. having to. You know, provide for the family, and I have two young kids, yeah. and all that stuff yeah. was, um, you know, challenging at times. But how did you I, adjust? What did you, did you um, take? Did you take jobs you didn't want? Uh, not many. Yeah. Really, nothing that I'm like, oh God, you know, that no was one ever terrible. Sees that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them do come out that way, but it wasn't yeah. the intention. Right. Uh, going in, I f I jumped behind the camera, did some writing, shot a couple of short films. How that go? Because Zapka did that as well. Did yeah, you? Were exactly. you guys in His touch film. around that? No, it was. After we we reconnected, it's uh, I I talk about this too. When we went um, twenty years without seeing each other, yeah. and then when Pat Morita passed away, we went to his funeral, uh, memorial, and I spoke there, and it was you know it was kind of wonderful seeing Billy there, and I hadn't seen him. He was always you know we were for the first time on the same side of the mat, if you yeah. will, is yeah. how is what I write. Yeah. And from that point forward, there was just, it meant something significant to me that he was there. Because um, not many people were at Pets. It was in Vegas. And yeah. it wasn't like everybody from the film was there. I mean, right. had something, they had something else in Los Angeles that was more widely intended. Right. But so, um, so you know, and then that's when we started talking about our love of filmmaking and that side of it. And he was doing his film Most, which was nominated for an Oscar. And I was doing a film called uh, Love Thy Brother. They got into Sundance. And yeah. we sold to HBO, and wow. you know, so it was that was about being creative and telling stories, and but not having the money to make a, a picture, and but also learn. And I would show it to Coppola, and I would show it to John Avildsen, and yeah. get some notes. And you yeah. know, I had a great, uh, you know, I had a great, great resource with some sure. of these filmmakers. Did you learn? How, how's your karate? Um, <laughs> about the same as my guitar. Yeah, I make enough. I make, I make a, just enough fake to it. fake it. Yeah. Um, no, I learned. Listen, I d dive deeper into it now with the the martial arts. Yeah. Uh, since everything hurts more. Oh God. Um, yeah. No but kidding. doing the katas and uh, that Okinawan classic. I mean, that's a, that's good stuff to do physically. Yeah. You know, it's almost like that Tai Chi. Yeah. Version of just moving yeah. your body and yeah. warming. So I I I want to continue that. Okay. Um, that's you know, good. Everything. You know, it's, it takes longer to just get up in the morning man but no it's kidding. you know yeah, yeah. But it's, do you have uh, a trainer do yeah i mean i have a trainer that i work with in new york just yeah. kind of uh, my wife and i we just you know it's basically sure. it's not hard you know it's yeah. injury prevention is i like what it. It you're is. just a long island guy i'm a long island guy and you have a good you had a good time doing entourage and all this other yeah, shit yeah that, that was you great did? Yeah. entourage was was a great um 
you know, that was the first time I ever played myself, and it, it turned out to be, and that was a good episode. Pretty I think funny. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the Playboy Mansion episode. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, you know, yeah. 16 hours at the Playboy Mansion. It was yeah. not the worst day at the office. Yeah. And it was funny. At that time, I wasn't working much. Yeah. And I said to my wife, you know, when I got the pitch of what it was, um, <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, but it's like uh, the Playboy Mansion. You know, I'm, I'm that good of a Long Island guy. I wanted to check with her first. And she's like, just get out of the house. Do something. Get them. Go. Just go. Yeah. That's great. That's she's the best. So what about Springsteen? I've seen him, you know, my gosh. I, I've never met him. You haven't? It's really interesting. Did you go see him on Broadway? I did twice. Twice. <laughs> I got, well, first I got a serious uh, something. Yeah. Uh, I got a, it was a, um, a, cha- a charity, a serious uh, special performance. Uh-huh. So I got in on that after I bought my, you know, fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollar tickets, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went a few weeks later. So one one of the shows Patty was in, and one she wasn't. So I got to see a little differentiating yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of that. And um, and I saw him at first at the uh, L.A. Sports Arena out here back when I was doing Eight Is Enough. I went with Betty Buckley, who yeah. was oh, yeah. on Eight Is Enough, sure. and. Uh, and and I think our first or second assistant director or something like that and went to see Springsteen and that was that was when I was what bit. tour was that that was the river oh yeah but I had Born to Run at that point you know from high school it was yeah. the album I was the talking book? about I have the book I you haven't read, read it. it and here I am is promoting a book and I I have to read I have it I I, just been, I, it. I interviewed him I interviewed him around the book yeah. I, I went out to his house right it was crazy out to the ranch. It was uh, it was something because like I you know I love the guy but I'm not yeah. crazy a uh, fan right right so it gave me uh, just enough distance yeah 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 to, cool to, to sort of treat him like a person right right good and there's a very funny mm-hmm. moment in there because I go I want I'm gonna go listen to you it. should because yeah, I, I totally am because you read the book and you really see who he is and it's 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 heavy man I mean he's I he's a depressive yep. and he's hard on himself and yep. he and he his upbringing was rough yeah. But uh, but I just remember I didn't know how I was going to get in with the guy or who I was going to be talking to because you know that whole thing he's he's got a whole bit he does like oh yeah me and the boys you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. whatever you right have to get past that yeah try how are you going to get past that yeah. how long is it going to take but I went out there and it was like the week before Christmas or something like around there right mm-hmm. and I'm waiting and he's got this he's got the house and then he's got the where his, his studio, studio thing. right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm out there. And I'm just waiting for him. And he comes, he says, I see him walking down from the house. He's a little guy holding his book. You know, and he walks in and we got two chairs set up with the mics. My producer had set up chairs. So I go, so what's going on with the house? A lot of Christmas stuff, cooking, presents, family. <laughs> and he goes, correct. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> you know, let's get that guy. Right, correct. correct. Right. And I'm like, and I just went in. And and he was it was good it was present and there was it was connected and it was uh, that's great it was exciting yeah no, because I, I gotta listen to it he he was talking to another musician who I know Tal uh, Wilkenfeld a woman uh, who's a bass player genius young mm-hmm. who was talking to Bruce about you know, asking him questions about how to handle press mm-hmm. and uh, he's telling her and and she goes, well, you talked to a friend of mine, Mark Marin, and he goes, he pushed. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, what you want. Yeah, that's, that's what you want to hear. Sure. Right, yeah, right, like right. I did push. But uh, this book is is going to be fun for people to read. And like uh, the 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 bits and pieces I got out of it, just the uh, the, the story about the kick, I was uh, I was excited. It really felt like, does anyone know this? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it's, it's hearing it from the, you know, I'm not that it was a hurricane, but I'm from the eye of the hurricane. Sure. Or, from the moment getting the part throughout and here and here with the, 
you know, its relevance today, uh, it's it's kind of kind of awesome. And you know, and I talk, and nobody, you know, it's a celebratory reflection. It really yeah. is. And yeah. the only person who gets thrown under the bus in this book is is me by me, right? You know, in that's a, in a, in a way, and that's yeah. it's kind of uh, it kind of made sense for me because it really is the gift that that keeps on on giving, and it's very specific to the Daniel Larusso of it all. What that yeah. has been like uh, yeah. for me, and what and what what I. I've gained from it in life and how I've had to, um, you know, navigate certain elements or or wanting to do certain things over. Not that there are many examples, but there are a couple of do-over examples yeah. that that I want to that I sh- I shed some light upon, and and so that 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 gets more personal, and I I, I enjoyed. Uh, doing that through that lens, and I think that. So by uh, by writing about those do we don't have to talk about them because we get people to buy the book. But uh, but do you, you don't have regrets around them, and by writing about them, did you put them into a different context? For no, I mean it was more about like I took th- a few examples of uh, that, you know, where I would um, say be a little bitter about being tied into the second sequel sure. that was a struggle to make a good yeah. script which never achieved itself yeah footnote season five of cobra kai is using that chapter of the original franchise and blowing up great stories so the lesson here is even the shortcomings from the karate kid universe right. are bearing fruit and handing off gifts and it's all about and also the fact that, that you can call it a universe i mean yeah, it yeah, it's almost we... a, it's almost the karate kid cinematic universe yeah, i mean it's crazy arguably let's you know i'm i'm a you know, I want to see the Miyagi origin story. Who was this teenager? Yeah, right. Right. And, and also, and, like you said, you wrote in the book that they're going to do a musical. They are. I, I just, well, listen, we'll see how far it gets. But, but you don't got a piece of it, do you? I don't got a piece. Listen, I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I take, when I put the headband on, I no longer own myself. <laughs> this face only, well, as soon as I put the headband on, it's somebody else's property. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, and, and so, so looking at, you know, even scenes that I get to do in Cobra Kai from a different perspective of a scene that's in the original film that I wish I had another shot at. Oh, right. That's sure. a do-over moment. Right. Or maybe the way I reacted a certain way when I met a high-profile movie director, sure. actor, because yeah. I was a little bitter that I had to be stuck in part three when I wanted to do another do movie. Do you look back on things like that where, like... D- how how do you frame that now for yourself? I frame it as it's just it, it had to happen because I've gained this much from it. I don't look at it as like right, right. God. If I only got that movie, there's a really good story about a a, a, a terrific movie made it made by Sidney Lumet, one of my yeah, favorite directors, great. who I got to meet. Yeah. Um. And I don't want to say what it is, but the the actor was nominated, and I I know I was in contention for that, but couldn't do that movie based on the option pickup. Yeah. So I was, you know. That's rough. It's show, yeah. That's part of show business, right? That's part of it, and um, and so when I was with uh, s- someone else of high uh, regard in the industry, I was a little bit of you know. I look back at that and I say maybe I was a little bratty. I was a little negative, and it's it's sort of I'd like telling that story mainly because it's uh, you know I learned something from it going yeah. forward. So if a young actor reads this or a young person reads this, uh, or or someone one, it's just information about me that someone didn't know, and. It's 
this is not deep and dark. It, none of this is. No, it's but just, it's just right. a self-reflection sure. at a time where youth might have been wasted on the young. Yeah, and uh, but and also you know you're looking guy. at you're looking at your peers. It's just, show business is show business. Yep. You're looking at guys becoming superstars. Yep, yep, yep. And you know, and you know, you feel probably felt yourself being judged a certain way. Yep, yep, yep. And so it was about navigating all of that. Yeah, and like, in, but you you had to find peace with that. You know, and have the career you had, and then out of nowhere, you know, this amazing thing comes, and you're old enough to appreciate it and realize that through a lifetime of having a relationship with this character in this movie, mm-hmm. that it, it has made an impact, and it continues to make an impact yep. in a very sweet way. Yeah. That, it, it, in a way, the story of, of the Karate Kid and how it keeps sort of going mm-hmm. is is actually you know who who cares what anyone thinks about it because it has an impact on yeah. people's lives yeah in a real way well, i think every movie wants to think they can do that but a lot of movies are just movies yeah and, You're and, absolutely right and that people don't have a lifetime relationship yeah. with yeah it's crazy yeah no it's very unique very unique experience and that's why i I sat down and started writing and say, I, that's, it's a unique experience. Yeah, well, and good. that's why it's there. Congratulations. So cool. Thank on you, the, man. I'm excited. Good I to talk to you. I appreciate the time. You yeah. got it, Mark. Thank you. There you go. Ralph Macchio, the book, Waxing On, The Karate Kid and Me, comes out tomorrow, October 18th. Get it wherever you get your books. The new season of Cobra Kai is now streaming on Netflix. Watch that. And I'll, could you do me a favor? Just hang out for a second. Okay, folks, listen, if you heard me talk last week with the director of Two Leslie, Michael Morris, you noticed it was a short talk, only about 20 minutes or so, but there's another half of that talk that we had to cut for time, and we'll be posting it for Full Marin listeners this week. The Full Marin and all WTF Plus subscriptions are now completely ad-free. That goes for archive shows and current shows. So if you want WTF as a totally ad-free experience, sign up for WTF Plus now, where you also get access to the first 500 episodes, which are not available on any other podcast platforms. Go to the link in the episode description to sign up or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. I'm going to London today um, and I've got shows at the Bloomberry Theater in London. I've got show a show at Vicker Street in Dublin next week. And I think the London shows are sold out other than the David Bedil live podcast. Go to WTFpod.com slash tour for ticket info. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing everybody out there. When I get back from Ireland, I'm in Oklahoma City at the Tower Theater on Wednesday, November 2nd. Dallas, Texas at the Majestic Theater on Thursday, November 3rd. San Antonio at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts for two shows on Friday, November 4th. And Houston at the Cullen Theater at Wortham Center on Saturday, November 5th. Then I'm in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Performing Arts Center on Saturday, November 12th. Eugene, Oregon at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, November 18th. And Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater on Saturday, November 19th. In December, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina at the Orange Peel for two shows on Friday, December 2nd. And then Nashville, Tennessee, I'm at the James K. Polk Center on Saturday, December 3rd. And my HBO special taping is at Town Hall in New York City on Thursday, December 8th. Go to WTFpod.com slash tour for all dates and ticket info. So as I said earlier, I love playing with Jimmy Vivino. He's been very good to me and he's been very supportive of my guitar playing and he's taught me a lot and uh, he lets me play with him. It's, it's fucking, it's unbelievable. It's like almost in a way, it's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, 
and we we got to do it, you know, last Wednesday with Jimmy Vaughn too. But here's a little bit of me and Jimmy Vivino playing together, jamming a bit on his song. You've got an itching for it. Back when he was on the show, this is in uh, 2014. Oh, we'll do. I'll do. You. I'll play a song. We'll debut a song of mine that's that hasn't been. Uh, when, is, can I handle it? Yeah, sure you can. It's like a oh, Jimmy Reed fills? song. All right. Good. Except there's a little one little thing. It's a yeah. You can play the fills. You'd be the second guy. Sometimes you need a little something Then you need a little something more Nothing you can buy at your Five and dime or your local convenience store You got a itching for it you got a itching for it, boy. You got a itching for something. Itching you just can't scratch. Might be a little bit of moonshine. Might be a little railroad gin. Might be a little bit of China white off of a boat. You got a itching for it. You got a itching for it. You got a itching for something, boy. Itching you just can't scratch. Sometimes you do a little evil, and you call your back door friend. You got a itching for it. Yes, you got a itching for it. Man, you got a itching for something, child. Man, you just can't scratch it. Scratch one out for me. Go. Just can't scratch it. You got 
itching for it. You got a itching for it. You got a.